It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show, the Cleveland Cavaliers just couldn't quite get it done against the Miami Heat. We'll talk about why and how this all went down on this new episode of Locked On Cavs, your daily look at the Cavaliers. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. The music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. Check them out on Apple Music or Spotify. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On today to get started. All right, I'm Chris Manning covering the Cavs and the NBA at large for places like Diamond Up Rocks, the Just Basketball Show, and SB Nation's Fear the Sword. That man over there is the proprietor the head honcher, the head rancher at Right Down Euclid. That's Evan Damerill. This episode is, as always, produced by the one and only Jake Stevens. Evan Cavs Heat Tuesday night in Cleveland. A playoff-like game that, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be honest, I thought the atmosphere could have been a little more uh, playoffy. Didn't think, didn't think that game really lived up to the kind of the, the stakes of it, the feel of it. Say oh, la vie. I think uh, on the court, the play. I'm just talking about the, like the crowd. I'm talking game. about. I'm talking yeah, about the crowd. The energy in the arena was not playoff esque whatsoever. Like it did not. It, it felt definitely felt like a Tuesday night game at the end of January, where some fans were there. It was apparently a sellout game, but like at times it just felt like the energy just was not there from the crowd. Yes, but the Cavs lose 100 to 97, fall to 31 and 22 on the season, 21 and six at home, and most importantly are now only one and a half games up on the Miami Heat, the fifth seed in the East. Uh, box score notes, Evan Moldy led the Cavs 19 points, 9 of 15 from the field, seven boards, four assists. Donovan Mitchell, 16. Darius Garland, 16. Jared Allen had 14. And you had Karis LeVert adding 14 off of the bench. Kevin Love did dress, did not play. Don't really have a ton else about that, but just to know that Kevin Love was a DNP in this game. But Evan... Here, here, here's where I, we have because this was a loss that we have to just start with how they lose and, and the player side of how they lose. And I think it's that it, this is because this was a Mitchell Garland night that wasn't good. I think maybe for the first time all season, we saw a version of Garland and Mitchell that just kind of didn't take care of the Cavs full, that didn't kind of just kind of lift everything up around them. I thought Garland was really pressing, I thought Garland was really kind of forcing, and he picked up five fouls. You know, lately he's been like nine, ten assists versus one, two turnovers, and he's at five and three respectively in this game. The shot making was there. Mitchell just kind of felt like he never got into a rhythm. You know, he mm-hmm. you could there's one point he took a long two, and it's like, oh, he's looking just to get into a rhythm. Even that kind of kind of shot he makes it into the third, which he just kind of berserks his way to a three and gets it and beats the buzzer, like didn't really catapult anything. Neither of these guys really felt like they got into a rhythm. And the Cavs just really offensively could not overcome that 18 points in the fourth quarter. And it feels like that it all to me extends from those two guys not being at, at their best against Miami. 
I think a lot of credit is deservedly or should be at least given to Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler in that scenario because they did a good job effectively mitigating the impact of Mitchell and Garland. And we'll talk about Evan Mobley quite a bit in the second segment for sure. But like Karis LeVert to an extent as well. And like the, 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 he understood the assignment. Like they can sack off of a Coro, they can sack off of Mobley who was 0 of 2 from 3 tonight. They can sack off of Allen who was 0 for 0 and has not added to his three point arsenal with the Cavs or three point makes with the Cavs rather. So they focused in on the fact that the Cavs do try to get out of the shooting slumps a lot like they try to maybe force things at times for donovan mitchell and darius garland especially because uh mitchell said post game like those two are the head of the snake in this offense and like the offense starts and ends with them and i think you're right like you could felt you could feel it at times that garland is pressing in terms of playmaking um just not a good playmaking night for him in general like you said assist to two turnovers but some of those turnovers just felt really sloppy and a little bit careless. And I think just the other major takeaway for me, and again, Evan Mobley is sensational and we should put a pin in that for a couple minutes. Well, yeah, now, we'll, 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 we'll get, we'll get to Evan Mobley in this first segment or two. We have to talk about him. Oh, absolutely. But it's just like JV Bakerstaff did make a really good point. Like Miami turned the ball over 13 times, but Cleveland only got 11 points off of those turnovers. Whereas Cleveland turned over the ball 13 times. Miami got 21 points off those turnovers. Like, there were times the Heat were playing sloppy as well. I think the Cavs were really being opportunistic in the first half, especially just forcing my over Miami into errant passes and turnovers. And they just didn't capitalize on those possessions just at all in this game. And like, it was kind of like what we predicted. It was going to be a bit of a rock fight. Like this was two defensive teams grinding it out. And if there's a positive from this, just overall in the team effort, like the defensive aspect of it, like they held Miami to hundred points. They did a very good job defending the majority of their roster sands, Caleb Martin, and then maybe Jimmy Butler down the stretch. But like the, the, the Cavs were effective in like mitigating the impact of the bench unit for the heat and just try to find a way to kind of gut through this, especially when their two offensive cocks just did not have it going all throughout the night. I think that I would expect Evan, like you get to a playoff series, maybe against Miami, against someone else. You're not going to have this happen with Garland and Mitchell again, like that. These guys are too good for that, for that to happen again. But mm-hmm. it, it tells you just like how okay, like how reliant they kind of can be on some of these guys, how they are kind of trying to figure some of this out, uh, kind of with these guys, and you're finding solutions. You, I felt in this game a little bit, JB Bickerstaff, like kind of like he'd put in Carousel Vert at times and try to go smaller and and figure stuff out with like Dean Wade, and like they did get some good well, looks and like and they missed some shots, but it's like, you know, they're there's there was like just a little bit of trickiness in terms of like figuring out how those two guys um, kind of could just like, if you you're trying to just find the right offensive solutions at times, like Ricky Ruby, I thought did some really positive stuff, but like, it just, it kind of wasn't enough. And this was like another game where it's like Jetty Osmond only got seven minutes. And I kind of understood that, but it's like, y'all that's like, I, there's just like, there there's, it feels at times like they're still very much searching for what works offensively. And that that's mm-hmm. maybe never going to change, I guess, in some ways. Yeah. And I, I had some folks reach out to me and also just quote tweet me when, they were just frustrated with the fact that Osmonds didn't play in this game. And I think, again, it just comes down to defense. Like, Jetty's shot wasn't falling to start the game, and he was 0-2 from three-point range in those seven minutes, and he was minus five. I know plus minus isn't a good indicator, but not encouraging stats. But I just think defensively, like, he wasn't working. The Cavs wanted to lean more on maybe a guy they trusted in Karis LeVert or maybe a guy in Dean Wade who they had high hopes of kind of being just like that core rotation piece. And I still think he can be that guy. It's just questionable what he can and can't do, but well, I think, it's, I think just this game is like a weird, this game kind of just proved, this game proved to be a weird fit for him. 
Like Evan Mobley subs out and Jimmy Butler just kind of catches on fire and roasts Dean Wade in the first quarter. And then he sub Evan Mobley back in and he kind of shuts off the water a little bit to Jimmy Butler and kills a little bit of that momentum. And I noted this to you either want to say towards the end of the third quarter, maybe midway into the fourth. Uh, Bickerstaff subbed out Mobley for um, Isaac Okoro instead of subbing out Isaac or Karis Levert for Isaac Okoro. And the Cavs ran a lineup of, I believe, Mitchell Garland. Lavert, Okoro, and Allen, I want to say, or something like that. And it just got shredded defensively. Like, I think the Cavs just sometimes maybe are experimenting a little bit too much and maybe not leaning on what they do- know does work. But it- it's tough because there's a lot of good, especially in that first half that the Cavs had, especially defensively. Like, they were frisky. They put a lot of energy. They're taking advantage of the fact like this is a heat team that's pretty incomplete right now just some of the key guys out besides you know bam and jimmy of course but it it just the Cavs just kind of fell apart and kind of when things got tight they crumbled under pressure for i believe the seventh time this season yeah they're a little bit under 500 in some of these close games uh you know they they dealt i think pretty well with jimmy brother for a lot of this game but some of the execution late Left you a little bit wanting, and Jimmy just kind of got through spots to Mitchell. Then Mitchell got an all right look, considering they had to go the full length of the court at the end of the end of the end of the game to get off a look. They didn't foul him up three. Uh, salute to the Heat for not fouling up three. I love when teams will foul up, but you know he he doesn't doesn't make it, doesn't go in, and and they go home with a loss. And you, I think there's there's parts of this that, the, that I think like defensively, this was like a very good cast performance in a lot of ways. This was oh, yeah. coming in. We talked about this on on the Tuesday show, like we talked about how. These are both really good defensive teams, and this could be a really grimy, gritty game. That this lives up to that. The Heat just kind of handled some of their offensive stuff a little bit better. Some second chance points that gave them some advantages, and, and that ultimately was enough. All right, we're gonna go into break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna dive into our game awards, and that we're gonna start with Evan Mobley because this guy played a sensational defensive game, and it's almost kind of it's really a shame that we didn't get to take around to talking about him in segment one because of I think how good he was. But first. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Look, we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, and that's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Right now, they have the Eagles at 1.5 favorite, one point five point favorites in that game. They have Travis Kelsey at minus 125 to score a touchdown of in, in terms of touchdown odds. That's the best odds of any player in the game. Look, the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. Look, I love using FanDuel. It's really easy to use when I need to check odds for games, check the spreads around the NBA in a given night, and it has everything you're you're looking for in a sportsbook app. If you're an NBA fan specifically, they offer no-sweat same-game parlays on Thursday for TNT primetime nights. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. 
Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back here, Locked On Cast Podcast, Chris Manning, Evan Damerel, Game Awards. If you're joining us for the first time, that's going to be MVP, stat of the night, and our play of the night. Evan, uh, MVP is, is Evan Mobley. No, me. without a doubt, he is the MVP of this game. He was super impactful on the defensive side of the ball. Like He started the game defending Jimmy Butler, and we were going to talk about this before this kind of part of the scenes for Cleveland. Like That's a really smart defensive adjustment. And then you throw Isaac Okora on Tyler Harrow, and you're really cutting off the head, at least perimeter shooting-wise and defensive or offensively for Miami. And Mobley was super effective, and he took the challenge head-on with Jimmy Butler and like didn't shy away from it whatsoever. And like... There's a lot of key possessions as well where he had like on that defensive play against Bam Adebayo, which is just sensational. And like you're seeing more and more like the building blocks of the Cavs placed for Evan Mobley and them are just remaining patient with his development start to pay off for them a little bit. Like you're seeing him be a little bit more dominant with the ball in his hands. You're seeing him kind of get more involved in the offense, more creative ways. Yeah, he was 0-2 from three-point range tonight, but at least he's taking them. And... Again, a young Cavs team, but like this is in the grand scheme, everything encouraging. And the fact that like you hope Evan Mobley can be the guy who takes you there and him already kind of showing signs of it is super, super, super encouraging. He, I, I think, was just utterly sensational defensively in this game. I thought really flustered Butler. You know, Butler gets him late with a, with a, when he rejects a screen or goes through a screen, Mobley has to kind of run, get through it. And he kind of does Mobley in, in that sense. But, I, I felt as if Mobley really, for the most part, like did a pretty great job of handling what Jimmy was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he flustered him with his in, in space. He didn't, he only, I think, fouled. Butler got to the line 15 times, but I think Mobley only fouled him twice. Something like that, like something kind of outrageous. Uh, and and he, this was a playoff move from Jimmy Bickerstaff. This was, hey, like this is a game we really want. This is a game we need to try to win. This is a game where we feel as if we can try and maximize kind of what uh, he is and, and what he's going to provide us. And putting Okoro like on hero is like a kind of a, a good bonus to that, right? Like you get the situation where you are going to be able to have Okoro do what he does best, defend the mm-hmm. point of attack and, 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 and Mobik can handle the Butler thing. He can help off and still recover really well on Butler. And he did a great job with it. Um, the other thing here uh, is to go to stat of the night. Evan, what is your stat of the night? My stat of the night uh, goes hand in hand with Evan Mobley's defense on Jimmy Butler. I kind of started tracking it once I noticed that, like, okay, Mobley is not going to stop defending Butler, but he held Jimmy Butler to 25% shooting. Like you said, he did get Mobley in the closing sequence of the game, and, like, you can't throw up your hands and just say, like, oh, okay. Even then, the third quarter, he was able to get to the free throw line and force Mobley to foul him. But, like, Evan Mobley was just super, super, super effective defensively for Cleveland tonight, and he did his damnedest to shut him down uh, him as in Jimmy Butler. And then you watch Dean Wade and Karis LeVert get up his right. It's like the, the heat made a smart adjustment when Mopley was off. They kind of tried to keep Butler on and just let their superstar get rolling in different ways. Yeah. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to um, the five offensive rebounds that Bam Adebayo had in this game. This was a really big deal. This was something that every single one of them felt big to me. Every single one of these offensive rebounds for Miami, it just felt like kind of backbreaking and frustrating if you're Cleveland, you know, like it, Miami in this game ends up getting, uh, I think 11 second chance, uh, excuse me, uh, pulling this up, 11 second chance points to Cleveland's five. And that was just bam. Bam was the guy more than Jimmy. I felt more than, you know, kind of anyone 
on the Cavs radar, like I thought that they're kind of doing, I thought that really was the guy giving Cleveland fits. It was Jimmy. It, it was, you know, I mean, excuse me, it was Bam. Like Jimmy did, you know, you had Caleb, like Caleb Martin was four or five from three, all that stuff. But like, I, I felt as if Bam was kind of the guy really giving the Cavs fits. It was four offensive rebounds, excuse me, but it like had 11 boards. It was a really, really impactful player in this game. All right, to go to play of the night, Evan, mind, I, mean, I don't want to talk about this much because it ultimately didn't matter very much, but Carol Silver did have a really nice chase down block on Victor Oladipo. <laughs> You put you have the other one I absolutely would have picked, so I'm gonna let I'm gonna yeah. let you have the floor. Uh it's just the fact that Evan Mobley again was sensational on the defensive side of the ball and he walled off Bam out of bio and forced a 24 second shot clock violation. And like you saw Bam just out there like, what am I supposed to do against this? Because it's just him and a bunch of other guys for the heat and Miami's like, All right, Bam, do everything for us on offense. And it was a play call designed for Bam out of bio and Mobley read it really, really well and just completely shut it off. And again, super encouraging to see this from a guy in year two who many expected to have like more of a dramatic leap at this point in the season. But like you're seeing a lot of it just come together game by game and you're seeing him like take that next step on um, the defensive side of the ball. And that's just like a great example of it. He absolutely just like cut off, shut off his water on this play. Like it was just like, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to physical me. You're not going to, we're not going to have any kind of issues kind of navigating some of this. Like it is just going to be like, you're not going anywhere in the post. And like that, that was like for, for Mobley, like so much of, I thought even the beauty of him on Jimmy Butler, like Jimmy Butler is really physical. He is really good at getting into guys chests and drawing fouls. He did that to other guys in the Cavs in this game. But like one of the things that kind of also happened was, you saw him really have to deal with with Mobley's length and not knowing how to navigate some of that space. That was a really big difference. And as as good as Bam was in this game, like there were times where Mobley gets him and you could see Bam just like hesitating to go in, hesitating to attack in some ways. Like that that was a really, really big deal. Um I didn't necessarily always see that coming, right? Like that wasn't something I would have depended on if I'm Cleveland. And look, they the Cavs, I think, kind of struggled with some of the Bam slipping. There, there's some things to work out there, but if you're them, I think you feel very, very good about just how Mobley play defensively. And like, I think I really think this is something I think when we get to the All Star break, mm-hmm. we're gonna do some more on this. But I, I think Mobley's having something of a leap right now, and these are kind of the games you're just like, this guy is an outraged defender. I think he's got. I think at the end of the year, this is a guy that is absolutely gonna have like a very real case to be in the all on the all NBA in an all NBA situation. I, I think he's or not, not all, excuse me, all defense, not all NBA. I think like there's going to be an all defensive team level season from Evan Mobley. Once we get to the end here, and I'm really curious to see where he's going to end up. All. I, I agree with you. I think he's putting together an all defensive caliber season and moments like this, like really like crystallize that moment too. And it's curious to see like, how is he going to be a high impact player in the playoffs? And obviously we won't get too far ahead of it. And, like Evan Mobley was the MVP and the highlight of this Cavs defensive effort tonight. But like across the board, the Cavs played a very good defense up until maybe the last closing moments of the game where the Heat kind of pulled away a bit. And then he watched the Cavs struggle offensively to execute. Like Donovan Mitchell admitted that that three point attempt he took at the end of the game, he expected the Heat to foul him in that scenario too. Or maybe he tried to foul bait a little bit to get me get to the free throw line or at least foul him and just force him to shoot two free throws instead. But I don't know. Like the Cavs sh- should probably feel disappointed and discouraged by this loss. It wasn't a great win or a great lo- like there isn't a lot of positives from it. But like I guess the one positive you can take from it is one, having Mobley sensational defensively, and two, this team played very good defense against another very good defensive team that 
He's only a few years removed from playing in the NBA Finals. Yeah, and look, the, these are the kind of teams you might have to beat in the playoffs. Like, this is the kind of game Cleveland could absolutely get in the playoffs. And I something they talked about postgame that I think is is very fair and reasonable is that, like, they still are growing into some of this. Donovan Mitchell is really the one guy in this group that has been through some of these things. And the rest of this group hasn't yet. Like, the playing tournament was the closest thing they've had. And I, that's, I, you know, Garland didn't come to the podium post game. I know he spoke in the locker room and, and he spoke, that was on Bally. I, I'm, I wonder if, it's like, for him. brief, apparently. Yeah, which, like, I get. That's fine. I don't really begrudge anyone for that. But I, I wonder if, like, I wonder if, like, this is one of those games where it's like, hey, like, I was, like, so, like, amped up and pressing for this one and it kind of got out of hand a little bit. But let's, Evan, let's go into one more break. Uh, I want to thank everyone again for making us your first listen every day for your next listen. May I suggest Locked on Sports today? It's the biggest stories of the day. Plus, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. That is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Look, if you're looking for a delicious treat, if you don't want all the fat and the calories, then you got to try Built Bar. Every single morning, Evan, I get up, I go work out. I my you know my doctor has me just eating a little something to get me going in the morning. I, I have a Built Bar. I get my protein in. I want to eat healthier. This is a great way for you to do it. With Built Healthy is actually tasty. These are so delicious. You won't think they're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good, you ask? Well, for starters, these are covered in 100% real chocolate. Real chocolate, that is right. And they come in unbelievable flavors. Churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, cookie dough. There's a ton of great ones. And I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better is that these are healthy. Only 130 calories with only 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now, you don't even need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been telling you about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today and, and walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can get a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with two hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. Thank us later. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, last segment, Locked On Cavs Podcast. Chris Manning and Evan Damro. Let's Evan, let's finish up a little bit of Cavs Heat notes. Uh, I, I want to ask you a kind of an open-ended question, and this is something I found myself thinking about more than I would have expected coming into this game. But we're near the trade deadline. You know, the Cavs are trying to figure out what they are. So I ask you, Evan, what did you make of Karis LeVert in this game? Um, you saw the duality of Karis LeVert and what the Cavs want him to be on full display tonight and also what he is as a player. J.B. Bickerstaff benched LeVert because he wasn't getting enough shot opportunities starting next to Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. And you saw plenty of shot opportunities from LeVert tonight. He was... 5 of 12 on the floor. He had the fourth most shot attempts, period. He shot the ball more than Jared Allen did. In this game, you saw him playing a lot of crunch time minutes as that pseudo six man for the Cavs. And you saw some good, 
Like you saw him take advantage of that buzzer beating three in the first quarter, but he's just not taking advantage of the clean looks he's getting on the perimeter. I think defenses are kind of expecting him to be hit or miss from beyond the arc. You're seeing him kind of throw up some sloppy shots. You're seeing him kind of be careless of the ball at times, but there are also instances where he can get you a couple quick buckets where you're like, okay, it makes sense, but it's just, it's tough. And like you said, leading up to the trade deadline, it's tricky because this is probably Cleveland's key trade chip just because of the contract Harris LeVert possesses. But the fact that just like right now, um, you have Donovan Mitchell, you have Darius Garland, you have Ricky Rubio back out there now too. Like you have enough ball handling and just Levert needs the ball in his hands to be functional. It's just tough to kind of see how he fits in the grand scheme of this Cavs team right now, just especially with the deadline looming over our shoulders like it is. But you got the full taste of it. Like he wasn't great defensively. You saw him be careless of the ball, maybe be dribble the air out of the ball too much. You saw him taking a lot of shots, which is what JV Bickerstaff wanted when he put him on the bench in the first place. So I agree with you that it's a duality thing. I agree with you that it is this thing that is a little bit split, a little bit kind of tough with Levert. I, I, you know, there's things in this game that I thought he did really, really well. I thought at times, you know, he is, he's taking the threes you want him to take. Right, like he's two. He's only two of six, but like, hey, like you can you can ride with that a little bit. Like yeah. that, that's all right. You know, he beat Bam out of bio on on a on a on an attack at one point. You're like, okay, that's really good. You know, he's moving. He's he's doing some of the things you really want him to do to kind of fit in. And then there's times where it's like you see him making defensive mistakes. You see him kind of being not always in the right place. Maybe not moving enough. You could see JB bigger seven times, kind of getting hit, trying to ask point him in a different direction defensively like he just kind of really didn't totally hold up to some of this you know had a cost of turnover in this game uh i you know i don't always put a ton of weight in the single game plus minus but th- that doesn't reflect on him well either i i come away just being like this was a very kind of perfect carousel for game and if you told me that you thought that like a, a, a kind of a josh richardson wing helped them more than a carousel type of wing i don't know if i would disagree with you I also just I'm like there are clearly things he does that help and and give them a little bit of variety that they probably need. It's just there's there's just things are just like I it just leaves you a little bit just kind of wanting for a little bit more from him. And it's it's clear that this is just like an imperfect fit. And but anyway, they're gonna get an imperfect fit. But I wonder if this is like the right kind of imperfect. That's a that's a fair question. Is it the right fit for this Cavs squad. I don't think it is right now. I mean, unless like maybe Kobe Altman and the Cavs front office works within the margins and somehow cares the bird's still here after the deadline, which would be shocking to me because again, he's like one of their top trade chips just at the end of the day. But I, I don't, I don't know. I just like, I, I understand the appeal of Karis Levert. He is a bigger wing type player who can play two or three maybe sometimes four if you're going super small, but like he just doesn't have the defensive chops to defend a power forward. And like you said, he does try, like there were instances tonight against Miami, like he had that chase down block or like there's times where he's set on defense and doing a good job. But then you're watching guys like Caleb Martin and Jimmy Butler and even Kyle Lowry, like take advantage of like the fact that Levert isn't like an A plus defender and is kind of the weakest link out there defensively as well. And I know people will be like, oh, well, Jetty Osmond's like a plus minus leader and things like that. I just think, Karis just has that reputation and that trust factor with J.B. Bickerstaff and also the guys on the floor, too, that just make him a reliable option. And maybe it is the length that he possesses or the fact that before he became off injured when he was at the Nets, he was more of a defensive player at times, too. But 
I think there's something there. I just don't know if it's actually the cleanest fit. Because again, you're bringing Ricky Rubio back. You have Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland to soak up most of the ball handling and playmaking responsibilities. And Lavert is just more functional as a player with the ball in his hands than a player that doesn't have the ball in his hands. And you need a guy who can provide you three-point shooting and be more of a reliable offensive threat when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Like, I'm not saying like Isaac Okoro at the end of the day, but maybe like Dean Wade as well. Like Dean Wade's a pretty low usage guy. Like he gets a lot of shot opportunities. Like you saw him make a Dean Wade and make a couple of questionable plays against Miami mm-hmm. at times tonight. But like he provides you at least that spacing. And you know, like if he gets a clean look, he's going to take it. And you think he's probably going to make it more likely than Levert does. So it's a fair question. Does he fit? I don't think he fits in like the grand scheme of this Cavs team currently. And then like you said, there's no clear wing on the market. Like pie in the sky, it's OG and Anobi at this point. You're not, of, I mean, that, 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 that's, that's not, not even not happening. The, that's like you took like a bunch of mushrooms and you're like tripping out and you let, or you have the 2K override. Say like you're on 2K, you have the override or you finesse the, the, the system like some folks do where you just backload it with so many second round picks that will never exist. That the, t- that the AI is tricked into thinking, wow, we're getting a huge value on this one. But it, that's just not how it works. And like of the wings, like tangibly available for just, or not tangibly available, just every wing that's available. Again, and nobody's like the cleanest fit for this calf squad, but. But like real, like we, okay, but like let's. But let's, just, let's, let's, let's yeah. roll it it's back. Josh, it's Josh, so it's yeah, Josh yeah. Richardson. It could be Doug McDermott. If you have faith in Evan Mobley and Jared Allen covering him defensively, it's. Shoot, maybe it's Jay Crowder just because of the defensive upside, and maybe it's just like he has that to kind of mitigate some of the offensive wrinkles and spacing issues he has. But I just I don't care if Levert's the cleanest fit, and he just kind of stopped being the cleanest fit for this Cavs team as soon as they got Donovan Mitchell, and it became more pressing to say like, listen, we gave up a lot of shooting by giving away Larry Mark or not giving away, but giving Larry Market into the Jazz. Yes, we're getting a lot of it back with Donovan Mitchell, but we still need a little bit more of it, especially when Kevin Love is now a DMP coach's decision candidate. His thumb is still bothering him with his shooting mechanics. Yeah, and we'll see where that goes with Kevin Love going forward. The other thing I want to say about this game, lastly, is I I thought Azkokoro again played really well. Like I, five, I know five five points, two or four from the field, one or two from three, makes the one corner three, which which was a nice get for him. What I what I do just think and, and feel for him in 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 a way with this is I I felt like he did a great job on Tyler Hero. I felt as if he did a really really great job, kind of just handling that point of attack stuff. He's had four assists. He was moving the ball well. Like I like I I thought the Cavs at their absolute best in this game were having Evan Mobley and Isaac Okor on the floor together with Mobley defending Jimmy Butler and Okor defending Tyler Hero. That is when the Cavs were at their most functional in this game in so many ways. Um, I don't always know what to make of that, right? Like, I don't know. I don't totally always know, like, hey, like, you know, this is, like, what what that means or, or whatever. And, like, you know, it's it's not as simple as just those two guys as a duo, but I thought, like, that was the best and most comfortable they looked. And, like, in, mm-hmm. in another world where Mitchell's a little bit more on, you know, makes two more of his threes. The free throw disparity is a little bit different, whatever. Like this is a game Cleveland absolutely could have won if things had just broken like, you know, a little bit differently. Um, but yeah. Evan, let's, let's wrap it up there. Uh, let's, let's wrap up this episode of lockdown Cavs. Any, any final last thoughts before we officially dip out? No, uh, check out um, the just basketball podcast. Check out the breakdown Euclid website newsletter. Um, 
don't get too caught up in this loss because, folks, the Cavs are back on Thursday on national TV against John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, well, uh, Thursday show that we have coming out tomorrow is going to be looking at the all-star cases for a couple of Cleveland Cavaliers. That is obviously Evan Mobley. That is Darius Garland. And that is Jared Donovan Mitchell is obviously going and he's going to start. But we we have to discuss these other guys and look at what they kind of look like and, and what is going on with them. But until the until then, until we get to that, this has been Locked on Cavs for Wednesday, February 1st. Yeah, we're in February. If you're next listen today, check out Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on Game Game covers every game from across the NBA with local now, such only Locked on can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked on NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for producing. Thanks again to Astro Radio for the music. Be well. Talk to you all tomorrow. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.